shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Once again, welcome to the Adventures in Tech podcast. We are back live at NiceGate 2022, convening at the Bloom Technology booth, sponsored by Bloom. Love this. Dan, what's going on? Oh, I'm sure you love it because it looks like we're at the center of attention right now. Well, so, clearly. Right yeah, in the middle. There's football going on. Obviously, being up in Rochester, the Buffalo Bills are a huge, huge thing. I tried and to lobby for the Jets to be put on. That was not happening. I think happening. you would have been booed, booed, and booed but off we, the stage. But we are wearing the Jets colors. Yeah. So there you go. We did recap that earlier. So, yeah, so day one of the exhibition hall is in full effect right now. A lot of vendors, a lot of great things happening, a lot of learning going on, a lot of ed tech obviously being back, uh, you know, in person, you know, even more so, I'd say, than last year uh, while we were here. And, uh, you know, we went to a couple sessions. We had our session. It was great, right? So we talked about, uh, you know, basically the premise of the movie theater model moving to Blockbuster. And then, obviously, we talked about how Netflix and streaming and how information's always at our fingertips nowadays. Uh, you know, based off, uh, you know, the good old book that we were talking about, Breaking the Blockbuster Model, on an earlier episode. So, so we are very fortunate. Very fortunate, because, you, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of cool stuff, but there's some really cool people here as well. I know, and, I was and, trying to tease it. I know, So, but we were, we're really lucky to have a really cool person with us here right now. Yeah, so what I said earlier, if you uh, were able to catch it, I said, oh, maybe we'll talk about some class tech tips. And I was trying to not really give it away with my play on words, but we do have uh, the one, the only, Dr. Monica Burns. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Uh, we are so fortunate that you have agreed to join yes. uh, the show. And before we get into with the audience about what you're doing here, what you do overall, about class tech, tech tips, tell us about your journey to where you got to where you are today. You bet. Well, I started teaching with an overhead projector and chalk and a chalkboard, all those great things, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, bookmark transparency, because you never know when it's a crossword puzzle clue, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, having that at the start of my journey as a classroom teacher, all the way to going one-to-one -one with iPads. So not the very first school in New York City, but early on right. to go one-to-one -one with devices. And it really became an opportunity to share different strategies, different ways to use technology. Go ahead, talk about the bill scored, right? Yeah, That's right. It. I'm waiting for that touchdown to go across the screen, and there it is. <laughs> uh, and so um, was able to use technology in different ways, started writing and sharing and speaking about technology use in the classroom. That's when Class Tech Tips, my blog, started, and that was 10 years ago already. Wow. So wow. I've had a chance now, I've been outside of the classroom for a little bit, to host professional development for educators, to come to events like this, sharing at the Bloom booth uh, this weekend, and it's been a really fun adventure. Yeah, and we've had the opportunity to meet before, and I forgot exactly what it was. I, we were talking about it the other day when we were saying, oh, Monica's going to be up there. That's great. We met you at SUNY New Paltz way back when. That you know, that's our turf. Six, yeah. six years ago, at least. You know, when the whole EdTech thing was really becoming, they empowered it, and uh, the Nice Gate had the, the, like the one-day event. Mm -hmm. It was the one-day event. So we did have that. But, you know, if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check out classtechtips.com. Monica's got a ton of information on there, a blog, podcast, uh, an author, an esteemed author. She's got, we got memberships, she works with districts, you know, all those kind of things. So I guess here's a question. What are you seeing 
that's relevant now, out of, coming out of the pandemic, as far as ed tech and in your role, what are some of the things you're seeing that are kind of been moved to the, the, the forefront of education? So one of the big things that I know my conversations have stemmed around is this idea of really leaning into some of the resources you have access to or the ones that you've been asked to use. So really embracing your place is kind of how I sum it up when I like talking that. to people, mm -hmm. right? You now are in this learning management system. You now have this hub, right? This platform to use. So one of the things I've seen a lot more is more conversations around integrations, what's going to work well, what's going to have a clunky workflow that we might want to avoid, and where can we bring in tools and resources that have multiple functions, like an open-ended creation tool or a formative assessment tool that's going to allow us to do a lot of things. So I guess to answer your big question there, one thing that I know or I've noticed people really leaning into is optimizing their spaces, making mm. the most of what they've got, and looking to how different tools can be flexible within those constraints. And I, I don't mean constraints in a bad way, right? Just the right. things that you've got. Yeah. Do you have any specifics that come to mind that you're like, all right, this is a tool that not a lot of people know about yet, right? I mean, we were talking Lumio earlier, mm -hmm. and but I can see where the vision is going and how beneficial this is going to be as educators look for efficient and effective ways of using tech. Yeah, well, there's some tools that I think their growth over the past few years has been really exciting to watch. There's definitely been power users who have been around for a while, but watching more people start to have conversations or aha moments mm. on how you can use different features. So um, Book Creator, I was at their booth earlier yep, today is fan. a good example. Yeah, it's been around for a while, but they've really shifted from the iPad focus to web browser-based focus. You can still use it on iPads, right? But just this idea that you can now be on the web with kids, and they have the choice if they're gonna tell the story of their learning. Doesn't have to be a fiction, imaginative story, right? But it could be their math journal story of their learning or their science notebook, right? Yeah. And they have the option to use their voice, jump on video, use voice to text, type it out, right? And those are the kind of conversations I really love having with educators around the possibilities and hopefully being in a space that gives kids some choice and support, right? We talk about differentiated instruction a lot and that's a right. big thing to bite off when you're planning for 30 kids or 130 kids, right? So if you're choosing tools that give kids the option to make those choices or for you to support those choices, uh, it's really powerful. It is powerful. And, you know, what you're saying really rings true for, for a lot of reasons. I think, you know, coming out of the pandemic, it pushed a lot of teachers like, during that time into the digital space um, where they were maybe hesitant to be there before. And I think that was eye-opening for a lot of people to be in that digital space. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what you're talking about, what excites us the most is being able now to see, oh, I have a digital space. Now, how can I work in it to get the best opportunities for all of my students? And as you look at that digital space, you bring in so many different ideas of, of UDL, the Universal Design for Learning, that that space will now allow us to do multiple means of representation and, and reaching right, certain right. students. You bet. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things that, you know, as we are moving forward, I think many educators now have a different kind of vocabulary to talk about digital tools, right? right. Or they're asking questions that are beyond the surface level because they've thought about different ways to use different things. So that's one of the things that I know I'm trying to lean into is we've had this foundation, this experience, no matter how it came about, yeah. right, right, how right. are we going to leverage that to have more thoughtful conversations around tech integration?
You know, the big thing that we see that came out of the pandemic too is, the, you know, you had your lowest common denominator where people, whether it was a fear of, of utilizing technology just because it was the unknown or they didn't want to be put on the spot where students may possibly know more than the educator, right? We've seen that a lot. I feel like the denominator now has kind of, we pushed the bar up. We've really pushed it up to where people are feeling very comfortable in basic, right? LMSs, you know, um, uh, the, the G Suite, Microsoft Teams, all those kind of tools. And now how do we take that and now we push that level up even further, right? Like that's the next thing. Like what's EdTech's next big thing in getting people to utilize not just, you know, I mean, book creator's great, mm -hmm. right? And like you said, it's been around for a while. And I think a big challenge that people had is not everybody had the access to the Apple ecosystem, you know? So that was a tough part that with Book Creator. Now that it's web-based, forget it. Everybody's gonna be able to use it and utilize it and see how great of a tool it is. But what are we going to see? Like, you may have some insight that Dan and I don't know. What is, or, or just the foresight of what's gonna be the next big thing? Is it VR? We've talked about is virtual reality ready for prime time in education, in ed tech? We don't know yet. You know, I think part of it's funding and budgeting and it's, it's an expensive thing. And it's getting teachers, superintendents, board of educations to adopt it as something that is relevant to education and seeing the value in it. Yeah, so two things there that really come to mind. One is the maybe lower, simpler, or sooner mm -hmm. level, however yeah. you want to put it, right? Which is removing certain barriers to make it easier for everyone to work in digital spaces. Right. And that can mean a lot of things, but the first thing that comes to mind there are the add-ons in Google Workspace, yep. right? So yes, you love this tool, we've made it easier for you. So I think there's a lot of optimization that's taking place now that I'm hopeful more and more right. happens, right? Me but too. on that first kind of lower level, that's the first piece. On the more, I don't know if aspirational is the right word, or the- I like it, long-term. Long-term, right? <laughs> right. I think artificial intelligence is an area that I'm thinking a lot about um, just generally within technology. Sure. Take the ed tech, or take the ed out of the tech yeah. for there, right? Just generally, what is that gonna mean? for everything that we do. And I just came from a session with some fellow Apple Distinguished Educators and Rich Closey shared a bunch of um, AI-based tools around video editing, right, and wow. video creation. And you know, you press these buttons and now you can make a tutorial using this and that. So just the output increasing, right, how much you can do, how smart it is, right, to understand or anticipate what you're hoping to do within a tool. There are some things that are you know, scary maybe, right? I don't know right. what other words you sure. use about that. That, you know, the person creating the tool is the one that, you know, that intelligence is coming from, right? So there's a lot of things that make this complicated in addition to being exciting. And so that's an area that I'm definitely watching. It could be as, you know, as simple as adaptive software for right. formative assessment mm -hmm. tools, or it might be more about crafting differentiated content for different groups of students more quickly. You know, that what comes to mind is the students that we are all instructing as educators now in the classroom, they know, okay, Google, hey, Siri, uh -huh. Alexa, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what age they are. They have that, that background knowledge, that schema that understands, okay, this is going to tell me it's going to turn my lights off or it's going to do this for me. It's going to play, set a timer, whatever it may be. My challenge is that I'm wondering, I mean, I think the AI is super relevant to what you were just discussing, but where is the balance when we're also protecting these little ones' identities and security. I know cybersecurity yeah. is a big thing we were talking about earlier today. And 
where where are we going to find that balance? I guess are the, are the protocols going to be in place that allow for security for the, the, the students, you know, to be protected with their privacy? I think it's really easy to fall into the, we don't know what we don't know, so how can we prepare for that, right? And that's, right an, that's a cop-out also, sure. too, right? Sure. Like we can say that, and it's true, but it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of things we do know. Right. right. So with the things that we do know, taking action to protect students should be a non-negotiable. Right. We can anticipate that certain things aren't there yet, right? And we can also put things into place, protocols into place for when something happens that we could never have imagined, right? And so if that happens, you know, what do we do? do is there a committee that's going to sit? Do we have a full stop that happens, right? What is the protocol in place for these unimaginable scenarios that we know are going to happen, right? That being said, right, it's not a reason, they're not all unimaginable. There's plenty of things that we can imagine or assume might happen when it comes to data privacy or um, security. And there's things that are happening now. So if we think about it in those three tiers, there should be a level of preparation right, addressing all three of those. Right. <coughs> Excuse huh? me. So I want to circle back to something that you said before with um, ed tech companies and all of the different integrations. Um, I think seeing things that are happening now with these companies, like Book Creator has mm -hmm. definitely expanded over the years. I was turned on to something that I never thought I'd look on at again, which was Prezi. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was completely... <laughs> we all got rid right. of Prezi. I, I was like, I can't... I, for a while, I was like, I can't watch the zooming in effect. But what they're doing yeah. in terms of creation tools, and we're seeing that across the board... Um, which is really reflective of the type of instruction that you know we're we're envisioning for our students in this you know ed tech digital environment. So I was just wondering if you can uh, tell us some of your favorite integrations that that enable students to be a creator and not just a consumer. Yeah. So one of my favorites, and you know, alluding to the the Google Classroom one, I've done a lot of work for Adobe Education. So watching all the things with Spark and now Adobe Express. Yeah. Well, how do you so, keep up with all right. the acronyms and the name well, changes? Flip, 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 flip. Honestly, I just say them all at once, like a full dump, right? In the one conversation, I say all four names for things sometimes, right? So I don't mess it up at least I'll hit it once that's it and so with Adobe Express there's a new integration in Google workspace where you can create a template and then you can push that remixable template out to students so we right. think of creative things as a big chunk of our time for planning for introducing it to students and it doesn't have to be as hard as it might feel in right. terms of the, you know, how much time we have or the capacity for designing new experiences. So that's something I'm definitely looking at for integrations that make it easier. Um, just making sure if you're in a space, it's going to work and talk to each other nicely. So that Adobe Express one within Google Classroom is, is one that comes to mind. Another thing I'm looking at more generally, and, and this kind of goes along with the idea of integration, are templates. Mm. that really set up everyone for success. So Canva, Absolutely. Book Creator, a lot of folks now are really investing energy not on the, I'm going to do the lesson plans for you because we know that's a little bit tougher to right. replicate, right? It's great. There are good things about having that, but I'm really appreciating that in addition to those great things that people might have created the past few years, 
they're also thinking about those quick wins that can help someone build some confidence and just competency within a space and make it easier to put it out. So Book Creator is another example. Canva has a lot of great templates built into it. And those sort of pieces that will save someone's time, help make their life easier, but also gives them enough flexibility in their own work uh, that they can still bring in creative activities for their kids. Absolutely. And I see like all those integrations with the different creative outputs, how that's really empowering our students. Um, I think with all the, now that you can go to one space and be able to create in a variety of different formats, um, really speaks to the way our, our students are viewing you know, all of content creation as it is. So it's empowering them to find a voice and be able to demonstrate their understanding through something that they're passionate about without the teacher having to hop through 10 different hoops and know 10 different programs and 10 different ways of delivering something so all their students can have a voice. So that's super exciting. So I want to talk, I mean, you're a distinguished author. So, the, you know, you have three books. Is that correct? Am I accurate? So I've got two that came out with ASCD. And okay. So those are EdTech Essentials is the most recent one. Got it. Right. That Now, did you publish that during the pandemic? I know it was released in 2021. Yeah. So interesting story there, right? So we had, I did the book Task Before Apps before that. That yep. came out a few years before. And we were already in conversation, signed the contract um, in the early writing stages at the beginning of 2020 for EdTech Essentials. Awesome. And as soon as everything was happening, I was said, let's put a pause on this right let's kind of see how things look in six months and where people are placing their energy what's front of mind and relevant for everyone sure. during that time um kind of those in-between book times, I worked with them on some quick reference guides around distance learning yep. essentials and, and around classroom technology tips. So we put kind of a slight think and pause on that, and then we revisited it. And so the book doesn't really have anything to do with remote learning specifically, but we made sure that in especially the final chapter around plan, which is one of the essentials, to really think about the digital hub, how to scale things in different directions, and the things that you might need if you do a back and forth between a remote learning and environment. So those were some of the pieces that influenced kind of where the book landed. But yeah, it came out last summer and it's been a lot of fun to talk not only about all of the essentials, right, but a lot of the professional development work I do has hit on curate, so choosing really great resources, right. mm -hmm. on assess, so checking for understanding, on create is another, explore, so talking about virtual reality experiences to get kids talking about their world. So those are probably the four that are the most requested, like can you come to our school and talk about Provide this? Provide Right, around a topic like that. And it's been um, fun to kind of really dive into those components. As I look at those 10 essential ed tech skills that are, and, and let me know if I'm missing any in my mm -hmm. notes, because you're the author. I'm just, <laughs> this is the cliff note version for me when I was doing some research. It's navigating the online spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Curating resources, uh, introducing opportunities for exploring the world, collaboration structures, which I think is something that Dan would love to talk about as well as collaboration structures, providing time and space to create the learning products, assessing, like you just mentioned, creating opportunities for sharing, connecting student work to a relevant audience, so bringing that PBL, real life application in, developing transferable skills and planning for those tech rich learning experiences. Did I get them all? You got them, yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. Good job. That's it, touchdown, mm -hmm. not Buffalo. Yeah. But <laughs> when we talk about you know the collaboration and sharing, we, you know, we do a lot of that with the teachers that we're working with, and what we kind of see is it's, they're, they're hesitant to let go of the reins to a degree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
how do we help educators move past that? Like, how are we going to get them to say, okay, let the students collaborate and figure it out together? Because that's their first attempt in learning. Got to be afraid to fail, right? So that's their first attempt. And then that'll also open you up as the educator to give you more uh, time, right, efficiency, to be able to provide scaffolds and supports for those students who may be struggling due to pandemic or whatever else and may be a little bit behind the times, right? So that's a question that I always have, and I don't know how we get educators to get in that, that mindset. It's hard, right? It's hard to let go of the reins like that. It's hard to put kids in a situation where they may not feel successful right away, right? So in a way, it goes against some of the things that we bring to the table as educators. And I think it's important to acknowledge that right from the get-go. And then there's an opportunity to think about, right, what can we do to set up kids for success, right? That's where we're, and maybe the things that we would do in other situations, we're just not going to do here. And setting up for success is going to look different. It's going to mean crafting groups in a particular way. It's going to mean having a conversation about exemplars or non-exemplars for working together or where that project is headed. It might mean having really clear and specific directions that are, go above and beyond what we would have done in the past if I was leading something for everyone as opposed to sending kids off with some extra supports. So I think it's really about leaning into where everyone's coming from, right? Always with those great intentions, but making sure that we're stepping back to think about how we can repurpose that for this specific environment. And definitely an easier said than done. I have teachers that you're working with have had maybe not a great experience, like 30 kids in Jamboard and then everything feels like it's going to explode, right? And then and now they're like, there. yeah, we're done that. We're done with collaboration. That's over. You know, like I tried it and that's how it felt. It didn't feel yeah. good for anyone, right? So I think part of it too is saying, how do we start off in a way that feels good for everyone? Like it might be partners or in a shared space. Maybe then we bring in that third group member and maybe right. that's where we stop, mm-hmm. right? Maybe we don't have bigger groups than that that are harder to, to manage or to, to support in the way that we know we want to. So collaboration can mean a lot of things, right? It doesn't necessarily, you know, we don't have to be sitting next to each other. And if we are sitting next to each other, it doesn't mean we're collaborating either. So there's a lot of ways to think about it. And it may be something that you're also tying back to, you know, workforce skills. Sure. So outside of the classroom, just to reinforce, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we carving out time for this? You know, not every job has going to have Google Docs, but a lot are going to have shared online spaces, whether it's a task management system, Mm -hmm. whether it's emailing and working together on a threat like there's all these transferable skills that go across industries where children and to the workforce are being asked to collaborate and navigate digital spaces when i think of the youngest learners that we are instructing now let's just say our k2 k3 realm right Mm -hmm. so i mean i guess you could even do elementary because it's relevant so k6 let's say or k5 whatever the district's doing is It's mind-boggling to me that there are so many jobs that have not been created yet for these kids. And it's like, we're teaching them the skills that we think they need to know for a job that has not yet been created. So we're, as educators, we're very relevant in our ninth through 12th grade age group because we're hoping that these skills will transfer to college or real life skills right out of high school. But it's like we need to have foresight to know what we got to teach the littlest ones yeah. besides the basic foundational skills. I'm just mind-boggling. Sorry. That's nope. my soapbox. There's always one. <laughs> um, but I really want to bring back to something that you said. Uh, when, when you're looking at building those collaborative spaces, um, something that really 
uh, struck a chord with me is you, you, you were alluding to the, the fact that for teacher and students that you have to build trust and, and environment right. and, and the idea of like almost setting the norms of collaboration through the experiences that you provide for your students. And that can be really low stakes when you introduce it, right? right. Like maybe you have four kids in Jamboard and they're creating right, a bunch of sticky notes with all of their favorite things or mm -hmm. their books that they've read this year, right? Maybe try that before bringing in the content mm -hmm. piece, sure. right? So if you can introduce some of these collaborative experiences in an everyone's, everyone knows what they're talking about way, right? right? Or everyone's going to be confident, everyone's going to be equipped to participate. Maybe it's a favorite thing sort of activity. It's a great way to get comfortable in the space and then you don't have to share examples from last year good or bad you can make up examples mm -hmm. or you right. can say what is this what would be something that would hurt your feelings if you saw it in this space right or what might make you confused in this space or how would it feel if someone moved your sticky note from one side of the jam board to the other mm -hmm. you know and those are the kind of things that don't I know it's easy to easy to skip especially mm -hmm. if you're in a time crunch but I do think it really pays off in the long run Right, I need those skills. I totally agree. You know, some of the things I think about that have proven successful in, in that manner that you're describing is, you know, when you have students given the chance to individually process their own thoughts uh -huh. and then meet them together in a small group and build consensus and come up with one statement, and then that group comes up and posts that to the Jamboard. Uh -huh. um, it really then kind of drives the student inquiry and allows for a richer discussion yeah. instead of that madness the first time a teacher tries a Jamboard, which I was guilty of. Yeah. I'm like, all right, everyone post a sticky note. Yeah, that, <laughs> that did not go as planned. Didn't go as planned, but you know what? It, you still tried, and you got back on the horse to do it again. And that's where I think that fear happens. Oh, didn't go as planned. I'm never using tech again. Right. But then who are you really shortchanging? Because the students, no matter what, are going to want to be on it. That's the environment and the ecosystem that they're aware of. It's what they're immersed in on a daily basis. It's what we are. But we have to be able to, you know, just keep forging on, for lack of a better term, to keep trying the tech and to keep utilizing it, uh, you know, in our classrooms, in our instruction. So, got anything else, Dan? Um, I don't think so. I think we've taken up enough of, of your time. It's, I do. I have one thing. So I mean, I do have a lot more. Yeah, well, <laughs> right. But we, we will be mindful of the time. So class tech tips. That was yeah. the brainchild after coming out of the city, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, it has evolved into obviously multiple books and reference guides and everything like that. And now you're a PD specialist. You fly all over the world, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. You also have a podcast. Let's talk yeah. about Easy Ed Tech Podcast. How long have you been starting? Uh, you know, how long would you start that? So it went 2019, March okay. of 2019. So coming up on 200 episodes is on my planning Ooh, wow. page. Yeah. So uh, it's time to party. Yeah, we're probably out about 20 because um, 2000 because we've done a um, or 200. So I'm jumping between my numbers sure. here. All the numbers on the screen have been distracting me right. think, uh, this afternoon. But so um, we've done about 200 with some of the Sunday bonus episodes. But in terms of the numbered episodes, we were just inside of Google Sheets, like doing the plan for the beginning of next year and saying, oh, I think is February going to be episode 200 already? So I've been blogging since 20. Um, 12, so May of 2012 was when the blog launched, and I love podcasts. I listen to a crazy amount of podcasts. I'm sure as podcast creators, you yep. all do too, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So it's a medium I love to consume, and I started having people ask, you know, 
are you going to do a podcast? Or I love podcasts. You should have a podcast. I love the blog. I don't always get to read it. And so I thought about it as an audio format that would be great for just updating some content, sharing new things. It was really solo for the first year because I was traveling like crazy and just didn't think I could take on the scheduling. I'm sure, sure you both appreciate, yeah. right, yes. of sitting down to record with someone. And then... I decided that, you know, I wanted to open it up for more conversations, and that's been one of the most fun aspects of having sure. it. And so we kind of switch between solo episodes and interview episodes. There's usually a couple of each, each Tuesday. And, yeah, the Easy Ed Tech podcast has been a lot of fun and uh, just a really neat way to think about sharing content. So, right. And yeah. it's typically updated weekly, right? Yeah. So Tuesday mornings, usually right. pretty early East Coast time. And then maybe once or twice a month, I'll do a Sunday a bonus. bonus episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, listen, well, we can't thank you enough for your thank, time. And yes, thank you so much. And just for the people listening, what is the best way that people can follow you? So Class Tech Tips is where you can find me on all the platforms, even TikTok. No dancing. TikTok. But, you know, try, try and get some video tips up there. Right. You can get there and see me trying my best. Uh, but Class Tech Tips on all the platforms is where you can find me on classtechtips.com. Yeah. Awesome. And Thanks. if they want to purchase your book, is it directly from your website? Yeah, so you can find it right on the website. If you go to Amazon, there's two Monica Burnses. And uh -oh. I hope you know right away which one is me and which one is not me. <laughs> That's it. Um, so, yeah, you can find it uh, on Amazon or on the website, too. Awesome. Well, Monica, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your time here uh, at NiceGate 2022. Uh, we've had a great pleasure working with you today and, and speaking with you. Uh, if anybody of all the listeners, if you have questions, please reach out to Monica. Uh, you can obviously reach out to Dan and I. Thank you for all your support, listening on all the platforms and uh, leaving those reviews. Questions, comments, suggestions, please reach out. Tech Card, work smart, live an adventure. Till next time. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR.